Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this morning once again. Yes, Lord, you are always on time. Thank you, Lord, for through the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordered praise that you might still be enemy and the avenger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all our children. Bless them in your name. Thank you once again this morning and even as we look into your word, speak to our hearts. Prepare us for the days ahead through the ministry of your word. Equip us, O Lord. Strengthen us in our inner man. Strengthen our spirit man. Grant us the grace to digest your word. Enable us not just to be partakers of milk, but the meat of the word. That we might discern that which is good and that which is evil. That we have senses which have been exercised. That Lord, we will be able to teach others as well. Your ways, even as you teach us. This morning, O Lord, touch us, touch us, strengthen us, anoint us, speak to our hearts. Thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wilderness is the theme that we've been looking at in our Sunday teachings. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is uh, what we were looking at. Remember the Lord all these years, how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness wilderness these 40 years to humble you, to test you, in order to know what is in your heart. This is of course not God does not, as if God does not know, it is we who do not know what is there in our heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands or not. You see, The children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. It's a type of the world system. They were delivered from the power and the authority of Pharaoh, a type of Satan. They were delivered from the whips of the taskmasters, a type of demonic oppression. And then they were out of Egypt. They came through the Red Sea, they were baptized into Moses, they were baptized in the cloud, and then they came on to the other side. And it was God's plan that they should go through the experience in the wilderness. Because God is now going to reveal the source of all their problems. The source is not something which is outside. Derek Prince, of course, we would, it would be, uh, we would, we would have all heard him several times, and he says there's something called as a fifth column, the fifth column of the enemy, and the fifth column of the enemy is there inside each one of us, and that is what we call as the old man, the old man with this carnal nature, which is growing corrupt every day because of its deceitful lusts. And therefore, when you come to come into the wilderness, every test that the Israelites are put through by God is a revelation of the source of their problem, which is inside. 
which is the old man. You see, in each one of us, there are dormant attitudes and patterns which we have inherited from our parents. The gene pool of our parents all the way from Adam. What they are waiting for, those dormant attitudes and thought patterns are waiting for is the exact environment or the right environment and the conditions and the company for them to begin to manifest. You know, some people say, no, my friends spoilt me. I got into bad company. No, no, no. Bad company revealed what was already there inside. It just came out. If there was something not inside of you, you would not have got attracted to that. Daniel was in Babylon. And yet he purposed himself that he would not defile himself. Purposed in his heart. Joseph was in Egypt. But nothing of Egypt could touch him. So there are dormant attitudes, thought patterns, familiar spirits, diseases. I mean, you go to a full body checkup, the, do- the doctor will ask you, is this there in your family? <laughs> and this is there inside your gene pool. It's, the, it's waiting for the right environment for it to manifest. So what does God do? He sends you through the wilderness and he puts you through tests. So that those dormant attitudes come out. And then he says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, yesterday we looked at that. People complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute, statute and an ordinance for them and there he tested them. So when he put them to a test, something came out. A dormant attitude. Which they thought did not exist. A murmuring and a complaining spirit which they inherited right all the way from Adam. You are the problem. It's a familiar spirit. No? Okay? It's there in all of us. So he tested them and he said, you know what? The problem is, there's one old nature inside of you and that fellow has to be put to death. Now you enjoyed what the cross did for you on the outside. The wilderness is going to test, teach you as to what the cross has to do, do to you in the inside. And unless and until you apply the cross into your inside, your problems will continue. They will persist. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you are brought out of Egypt. Yes, you escaped the demonic oppression. But there are strongholds and thought patterns and attitudes which are dormant inside of you. Waiting for the right environment for them to manifest and unless until you have been delivered from those strongholds, you will not be able to inherit the promised life of God. You will just wander in the wilderness. You see, these are dangerous things. We never take these things for granted. Exodus chapter 15, therefore he gives them the solution. And I, and, he, and he said, if you, this is the test, okay. If you diligently heed to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, the, one of the things that I've, over a period of time, I've realized, if I read the Bible, one of the things I've realized, the source of all best, if you want to be blessed, there is only one sutram or principle, 
obey the voice of God and keep his covenant. The problem is the old man cannot do it. It is impossible for the old man to obey. What is he? He's a rebel. So the curses will continue. Because he is bound to be, he is bent towards disobedience. If you want to enjoy health, look at what he says, and do what is right in my sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon you, for I am the Lord who will continue to heal you. He reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. Gives him the first revelation. If you want to enjoy a continuing blessing over your life, one of the things that you need to do is put to death, apply the cross on your old man, that is the, that is, that is the tree, and strengthen your new man, and begin to obey my voice, and do that which is right in my eyes, so that you can go through this process of healing, and deliverance, you can, you can stay delivered. You see, the source of our problem is the old man. A nature which will not hear the voice of God. It will appreciate the message. You see, it appreciates the message like, like John the Baptist. I'm sorry, uh, Herod, who heard John the Baptist. He was very interested in the word. He heard him often, it says. But one of the things that he could not do, he could not obey. Madam Herodias came. She did a dance. It's called choreography nowadays. Okay. Choreography happened. The first choreography in the Bible. And something came out of Herodias. Herod, Herodias's heart was there. That she, it was revealed and she said, head of John the Baptist. A lot of people like to hear the message. Just because you appreciate the message doesn't mean that you are applying the message. The old man hates the message. He might appreciate, but he will not apply. <laughs> He's stubborn. He's stiff-necked. That's what it says in uh, in uh, Ezekiel. You know what, son of man, you know what they're talking about you, the prophet of Israel? They're talking very good things about you. They're saying, you know what, come, come, come and listen to the voice of God. This is truly the oracle of God. And they're inviting all of them to your church. So Ezek, and you know, son of man, what is happening? These people, they sit in front of you, they hear your voice, but their heart is set towards their own gain, it says. They enjoy the message, but they will not change. Because there's an attitude. Look at what, an, an example, of a classic example in the scripture. Acts chapter 24. And after some days when Felix came with him, with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away now for a convenient time. I'm, I'm waiting for a convenient time. And you know what? After that, a convenient time never comes. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him. Look at that. Attitude never changed. He appreciated the message. He said, wow, it's a very powerful message. Who can? Tension message. Conviction message. It's convicting me. But you know, conviction never led to conversion. What is the hope of... This is some One man of God made a very powerful statement. Whatever is not transformed will be transferred to the next generation. <laughs> Scary statement. <laughs> he said, whatever is not transformed in your life will get transferred to the next generation. So transform. 
So there are strongholds of unbelief. So the wilderness, what does it do? Essentially, it brings out those attitudes into the open. It shows them. Now it is not the demonic which is being exposed. The taskmasters have been dealt with. But the taskmasters strongholds have been left, have not been dealt with. That has to be dealt with. That has to be brought into the open. The old man has to be crucified. You cannot say, you know what? You know, a lot of people say, you know what? Uh, how can there be curses, Baba? Baba, when we are in Christ, all the curses have been broken. Yes. Okay. In Christ, you are a new creation. Do you sin? They say, yes. So what do you do when you sin? I confess. What is sinning? Do you say my old man is sinning? My new man is not sinning? Do you say that? Who's sinning then? Who's sinning? You are sinning. You have to confess. You have to renounce. You have to expel. You see, the whole purpose of teaching is that. To bring out into the open all these thought patterns. And God is not here to condemn us. You know, His God is a father. He puts us through the tests and say, you know what, you are not ready. That is the reason why He puts us through the test. So, I, w- I was thinking, you know, what is that one attitude that I have to, that the wilderness teaches, that the next generation have to take into the promised land so that they can continue into the, in the blessing of God. Because all the 600,000 people who, 600,000 men who came out, they were all men of valor, men of war. They came out. They were called the hosts of Israel, by the way. The armies of Israel. God led them out. But they were all destroyed in the wilderness. Why? Because of one thing. Because of what? Unbelief. And what is the root of unbelief? So there's one lesson the, the wilderness teaches. Let us lead that. Let, let, let us want to, let us want, I want you to know that lesson. There's one term which I want to focus. Very simple term. But a very complicated term. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And verse number 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. To what? Humble. So in other words, what were you? What were you? Proud. <laughs> See, <laughs> so what was the purpose of, of, of the wilderness? To reveal your pride. See, simple, no? So when you go into the promised land, remember one thing. So I, I revealed your, revealed the purpose. I'll, I'll, I'll show you that word. Deuteronomy chapter 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's an identity that we have in Christ. But if you want to live out this identity, something which you never have to forget. There's one word which you should not forget. Deuteronomy chapter 7. The Lord... Next verse, okay? Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love on you, not choose you because you were more in number than any other people for your Lord, for you were the least. Other translations will use the word littlest of all peoples. So never forget 
And other translation, I mean, other, other, other passages, he says, the, the Lord is not giving you the promised land because you are more righteous. Because of your righteousness. No, 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 no. You are a stiff-necked people. It is because of the unrighteousness and the sin of these people is driving them out of, out of, out of this land. And if you continue to be unrighteous, just as I drove them out, I will drive, drive you out too because that is my land. And God is not a respecter of persons. Because he's not a Jew who's one outwardly. He's the one who's inwardly. So, so one, one of the lessons that wilderness has to teach you, boss, don't forget that you were little. Huh? Say that. Don't forget that you were, you were little and stay. What is that? Little. Yeah, that's it. So that's the reason why I titled today's teaching as stay little, enjoy blessing. That's it. That is today's meditation. Stay little, enjoy blessing. This little is a fantastic word, Baba. We don't like to be little. That's the problem. I told you, you know, the old man. The source of all our worries and tensions is not outside. It is there inside. Okay. So let's read. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26. For you see your calling, calling brothers. That not many wise according to the flesh. He doesn't say not all. Not many. That means very few wise. And the few wise people who are called, they have to be humbled also. Okay. And they have to be emptied of all their reputation and their degrees. Okay. Otherwise they will come and empty the church by degrees. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you have to be very careful. With all your degrees at PhDs and H2SO4s, you are very acidic. Yeah, very caustic. So what happens is that that's what, um, what's that Moses was, you know. Learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and what it could do to you when it came to the work of God, to the left, to the right, and as they say in Telugu, murder. That's all. That's all you could do. With all your brilliance, with all your accomplishments, with all your degrees. You were emptying the church <laughs> by degrees. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. The God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things of the mighty, that are mighty. God has chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh, the old man, should glory in his presence. This is what I wrote down. The strongest dormant attitude a stronghold in the old man is pride with all its many manifestations. One of them is bitterness. The word is Mara. It's interesting. Now we sang the song about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know what the word Mary, Mary, Mary means? The one who experienced bitterness. Both of them. Mara, Mary. Mar comes from the word Mar. One continued to be bitter and said, Lord, do you, do, do you not care? One dealt with her bitterness. And Jesus said, you know what, Martha? You are concerned about so many things, but only what? How many things are needful? One thing is needful. So with his many manifestations, pride has 
One of the manifestations is bitterness. Another manifestation is rebellion. These are all familiar attitudes. Another is offense. Another is idolatry. Another is sorcery. Idolatry. You know how what happened to how this idolatry came out? There was one test. Send Moses the man of God for 40 days away from the camp. And what comes out? Idolatry comes out. What? It's there. It's a dormant attitude. And you know what happens? They come to Aaron and say, as to this fellow Moses. I mean, I, I, the, look at the way they are addressing the man of God. This fellow, he is not your fellow. He is far above you. If he were your fellow, you would be having fellowship with him upstairs. Not here. So they have so many manifestations. They're all, see, witchcraft, sorcery, all these are works of the flesh. They all start as a work of the flesh and then eventually take you into, into the occult or the worst situations that can happen to you. So let us look at one example, a few examples, no? From the scripture. I'll just read through some, let's read through some scriptures to get up understanding how serious this offense is. First Samuel chapter 15. So when Saul, so, for, so when Samuel rose early in the morning, this is all night prayer, Samuel was in all night prayer because God already revealed to him that he's going to remove this guy. All night prayer. It was told Samuel saying Saul went to Carmel and indeed he has set up a what? A monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And they say, if you have performed the commandment of the Lord, what is the sound I am listening to? What is the sound? And then Samuel gives him a very honest appraisal about himself. Look at what he says to Samuel, to, to Saul. Verse 17 onwards. So Samuel said, ah, everybody read. When you were, ah, little. In your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you to be king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. The problem is this, you leave these things in your life. You know who's going to suffer? Just not you. The subsequent generation all the way to Mordecai. Why? Haman the Agagite is going to rise. Now what is he doing? He is doing witchcraft to destroy your people. Your own clan. The Benjamin clan. You are in trouble. You don't realize the consequences of not... Obeying the voice of God. And why did he not obey the voice of God? Because he forgot that he was what? Little. Everybody say little. Little. So why did you transgress? Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you what swoop down onto the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? I'm not sure if I can show you this video. I mean, I just want to try it out. 
it's not there on uh, YouTube, but if you can zoom it onto the screen, I'll show you something, which I'll try to project here as well. You know, one of the things that we do as scientists, some of you can see, one of you can switch off this thing. We want to teach a machine to, to stay upright. Hmm? A machine has to be taught to stay upright. This is what we do. This is an experiment which is done in a lab. Just to give you an idea as to what happens in the lab, okay? See, I'm an engineer, so I cannot run away from this. This, this is what we call as a pendulum, okay? It's called an inverted pendulum. This is its default position, okay? Very comfortable in its default position. Suddenly, the robot, the scientist, what does he do? He creates an algorithm which keeps it upright. Okay. He's training. It's, it's like a, it's like possibly a 297th iteration algorithm. Okay. Training the machine to go back to its upright position. Now, we all have to be upright. See, the default position of the old man is this one. Okay. So, let's go on. Let's see some of the things. So, this is the, that is the default position. Now, look at what happens in, uh, in another situation here. So, what happens is, when you're in upright position, we want to test how upright it is, so we bring some kind of a temptation. Okay. A magnet. To attract it. So suddenly the machine, sorry. I can't, I don't think you'll be able to see. So the machine suddenly realizes, you know what, there's a temptation, so it runs away. I want to stay upright. Okay. The moment you forget the algorithm which taught you to stay upright, you know what happens? Back to the default position. This is what I have observed in my Christian life also. Okay, back. You know what? We all like default positions. So God, you know what does he do? He swings us up. Okay. He keeps us upright and he teaches our mind to stay upright. But if it don't support our mind, and the Bible says, don't you, if you don't arm yourself with the same mind, you know what happens? The same lusts which are already there inside of you will pull you down to the default position. You understand? So what happens to Saul here? Saul says, you know, let's go back to slideshow. Yeah, so why did you swoop down? Then back. You know, what made you swoop down? I was asking this question. Why? Why did you go there? You got attracted to the spoil like all the other kings. You want to boast about the spoil that you got. You did not know that the Lord makes you rich. You did not learn the lessons of Abraham when he got the, all the spoil from, from defeating the People in war, you know what he said? I do not want any of this spoil. I raise my hands to the Lord Most High. You swooped down. You know why? Because you forgot that you were little. What made you rebel? Because you forgot that you were little. What made you sow the seeds of witchcraft? Because you forgot you were little. What made you attract demonic oppression? Because you were forgot, you forgot that you were little. What made you lose the anointing? <laughs> because you forgot you were little. 
What made you go after God's anointed? Because you forgot you were little. What made you kill the priests of God and not the enemies of God? Because you forgot you were little. What attracted demonic oppression? You forgot. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And what happened? The evil spirit. What does it mean? He went away from the covering that God gave him. And God delivered him to the torturers. Does it not, does it not happen to the, in the new covenant? Of course it happens. Matthew chapter 18. Look at what it says. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. You know why? Because you said I am little. Chota admi ho bhai. In Hindi. Leave me. You forgot. Now what, what happened to this fellow servant? This fellow servant came and you started tormenting him. Now so what I will do? I will deliver you to the torturers. You see that? I will deliver you to, to whom? To the tormentors. Why? Because you did not forgive. You know Derek Prince in his teachings will say, he, some lady came to him and he said, he said, uh, I believe the Lord is telling you that you should forgive your husband. And she said, he wasted 20 years of my life. He tormented me. He tortured me. It's very difficult for me to forget and forgive. So he looks at her and he says, you know, wise man, he says, do you want him to destroy and torment the next 20 years of your life? Let go. Let go. You see, God will deliver. You know why? Because we forget that we are little. So, in First Chronicles chapter 10 verse 13, this is what it, what it's said about Saul. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord. Because he did not keep the word of the Lord. And also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord. Now, our question is, did he not inquire of the Lord? Does not the Bible say the Lord did not answer him either by Urim or by Thummim or by prophets or by visions? And what does he say he did not inquire of the Lord? He never waited. He never humbled himself. He never said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, where do I go? You alone have the words of life. He never said that. And therefore, what happened? Therefore, God killed him, it says. And turned his kingdom over to another man, David, the son of Jesse. You see, if you read the Bible, you will see the disappointing stories of all the kings. Forget about Israel. Israel was hamstrung right from the beginning. Jeroboam and his calves. That's it. They are never going to recover as a kingdom. Look at Judah. Some kings I will introduce. A very good king. Very righteous king. Young guy. When he started off. Second Chronicles chapter 17. Then Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. This is after Asa dies. His father was Asa by the way. And set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim which Asa his father had taken. That's how he starts. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. 
He saw the God of his father, walked in his commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance. And when I started, whenever I started reading, you know, my heart starts beating you now. I'm anticipating something negative now. Okay. So next word, next verse I read with a little more tension. When I read the next verse, it's like, oh my, thank God, he didn't fall. Okay, so look at the next verse. Look at what he said, what he does. And his heart, did he get lifted up? No. His heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. So he went, he went radical. He was on fire for God. He was like, you know, my name is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means the Lord has judged me and I've come through. Shafat means judge, Jehovah, judged. Shafat is the one, the person who has been judged by God. And then it goes on to say, also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micaiah to teach the cities of Judah. Now he was like, he was on a, he was on a reform rampage. Okay, the first reformer, he was a Martin Luther of, of, uh, of Judah those days. Huh? And with him, he sent Levite, Shemaiah, Nathaniah, Zebadiah, Sahel, Shemiraoth, uh, Johanathan, all these people, the Levites, and with them Elishama and Joram, the priests, and what did they do? So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. So it's like reforms all over. And then, goes on to say, and the fear of the Lord fell on, fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So God gave him rest also from everybody. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. Okay, they're all bringing gifts to him. The Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. And it goes on and goes on. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built a fortress and storage cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. So he's become strong and powerful, exalted by God and forgot Deuteronomy chapter 32 yesterday as we heard. When Jeshurun grew fat, what did he do? Kicked. Now the sad story. Second Chronicles chapter 18. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself to... Now, this is like strange. I mean, I, 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 was, I was wondering, how did this happen? So I was using my imagination. I think sanctified imagination. What could have happened? Now this guy was on fire for God. How could he ally himself with Ahab? What did you see in him that he attracted him, that he attracted you to him? What? So I was thinking. I mean, I was just thinking, no? Maybe, no? See, generally in, in most of the Davidic line, you see the children are not mentored properly by the fathers. So he had a son. His name is Joram. His name is Joram. Young guy. So he must have fallen in love with Ahab's daughter. And he came to his dad. And he said, Dad, I'm in love. With whom? Uh, nice girl. What's her name? I think Atalaya. Atalaya? From which house? You know, this, no, that's how... That's how young people when they come to pastor, they will say, no? Pastor, I found a man. 
very nice educated okay got a good job it's well settled pastor will listen to all the things but he will ask one fundamental question <laughs> easy uh what is that believer and he's just not an ordinary believer baba he is from the house of israel also but the problem is his father is ahab mother is who jezebel so what has happened to joshua now you see somehow this happens in many households you are on fire for god but the children they have to make the choices sometimes children may not take make, make their choices but you should stand firm you cannot tolerate now what has happened to jehoshaphat he became strong and somehow it legitimized his tolerance i will give you an example i will give you an example now just to give this principle over here i'm just not speaking something which is in the air let let look let us look at the new testament equivalent of a jehoshaphat you want to see a new testament equivalent of jehoshaphat let's see revelation chapter 2 to the angel of the church of thyatira right these are the words of the son of god whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze you have to listen to the uh, revelation bible study series if you were listening it will be awesome you you understand what is what is this i know your deeds jehoshaphat i know your deeds your love and faith the way you love god you are on fire for god your faithfulness the way you taught the word you went all throughout judah your service and your perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first all that is fantastic you know what you've been blessed by god now i see a hand of god over your ministry but because of the blessing of god somehow some kind of a tolerant spirit has crept in into your life so what has happened now look at what it says in revelation chapter 2 there's a word called kintu in hindi nevertheless in english i have this against you what do you do you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophet by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of the food sacrificed to idols you know what you're doing jehoshaphat just because you're going to tolerate this alliance you know what's going to do what is going to happen you're going to join yourself with an unfaithful people and you are going to compromise the seed of the messiah you don't understand what is going to happen to the next generation and there's going to be an athaliah which is going to rise and she's going to kill the entire the seed of juda the davidic line the messianic line is going to be finished except for the hand of god and why because of a man who allowed tolerance and why did he become tolerant because he became strong and his strength made him forget that he was little and legitimized his compromise be careful be careful Look at what it says in Revelation chapter two. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her posterity dead. And did it not happen? 
in your house? Did not Athaliah finish off the entire royal royal blood? Had it not been for that priest and that and your sister who protected one Joash? See, dangerous. These are dangerous, dangerous games that we play. You know why? Because we forget where God brought us from. Then all the churches will know that I am the one, the one who searches the hearts and minds and I will repay each one of you according to your deeds. You see, that is the reason why you see the doctrine of Balaam, the doctrine of Jezebel. You know what it is? It's like this. No, I mean, how can, that's the reason why, you know, parents, children, you have to be very careful. You, go, you will grow up. When you, when you want to get married, I mean, I'm telling you, be like Sam and Jyoti. A fantastic example. You ask Sam's parents, they will say, my spiritual parents, Pastor James, sister also. Who are your parents? Jyoti will say, my spiritual parents. Safe. You know why? God desires a godly seed. It's just not about you. Malachi will say, you know what? He desires a godly offspring. And what is that offspring? Everyone in the old covenant had a hope that their offspring is going to be the lineage of Messiah. And we also in the new covenant, we don't have a, we don't may, may not be having a physical posterity, but a spiritual posterity. I like what Zach Pennant says, no? My children are my biological children now, but when they grow up, they should become my brothers in Christ. Oh, what a vision that is. You see, this is what happens. You become strong and you make a mess. Understand how Balaam tempted Israel. He said, Balaam said, you know what, you can't touch them. No, 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 you can't. But one thing you can do. Deep down inside of their heart, everybody likes girls. Send your Midianites girls and let them do a choreography. Everybody will fall. At least a few will fall. And what happened? A plague comes into the camp. And who stands? Phineas. I mean, I love the word Phineas. I keep telling my students, Phineas, bro, your, your name is, is very, very powerful in the Bible. You know who's Ezra, by the way? Who's, whose line is, line is Ezra? Who, the priest of Zadok, they're the line of Phineas. Ezra, the line of Phineas. Look at that. You know what? That's the reason that the blessing of God is on the household of the righteous. Just don't look at your own life. Look at the next generation. That is the reason that the Bible says and Paul tells Timothy, the things which I taught you, my generation, Timothy's generation, hand it over to the faithful men, next generation, third generation, who will be able to teach others also, fourth generation. How many generations you should say, you should think? Four. You know why? Because iniquity is passed. How many generations? Four. Four generations. See, the principles in the old covenant doesn't, just, just don't go away. Spiritual posterity has to be dealt with and they have to be taught the ways of God. Look at another guy. When he becomes strong. Young guy. 16 year old guy. Think about a 16 year old guy. How many of you less than 16 over here? 16 less than 16. Show me your hands. You see all my, fantastic, no? 16 years old. Years old. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jokoliah of Jerusalem and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So he also had a godly, godly father. 
He sought the God, sought God in the days of Zechariah. He's a prophet who had understanding the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So who is this Zechariah? He was that one prophetic voice in his life, a one warning in his life, one teaching in his life, who is keeping him upright. Like the pendulum that I showed you. So what is he teaching him? The Bible says in, in KJV, it says the visions of God. What are the visions of God? So look at some translations to get a, get a get an understanding of what the visions of God mean. Verse 5. He sought God during the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the what? In the fear of God. Fear of God. Another translation, this is the Aramic Bible. This is what it says. And he was praying before him in the days of, Ezra, of Zechariah. Who was he? This is young Uzziah. He was a man who was a, a man of prayer. So what was he doing? Before him, the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the awe of Jehovah. And the Lord Jehovah was organizing all his ways. So wherever Uzziah went, he was successful. So what happens? And he made in Jerusalem engines. <laughs> Love that. Wow. What he made? Engines. He was an engineer. Invented cunning, invented by cunning men. So he had a research lab. Projects. Okay. So what did he do? To be on the towers and upon bulwarks. To shoot arrows and great stones. So he, had, he was the first guy who invented the ballistic missile. Catapults. Intercontinental ballistic missile started there. The seed was in Uzziah. Think about it, no? I mean, I'll tell you something. The best missile technology, you know, who has it? Israel. We had a scientist who was working with us from DRDO. He used to go to Israel once once in a while. And he said, Vijay, our army and their equipment, you go to Israel, you see their weapons, you see their army, you see their military, you see the way that they have designed their own system. It's awesome. You know why, Vijay? You know, they are always at war. They're always at war. Let me tell you something. As long as you are always at war, if you have a, a warring mindset, you know what, what will happen? You'll be sharp in your spiritual senses and God will give you ideas as to how to shoot arrows into the enemy's camp. Stay humble. Stay little. Don't relax like David. He forgot war for a for one one week maybe. I don't know. How many weeks? One day. That day changed his life and his family. He reverted back to his default position. One woman finished off his life. Think about these things, children. These are not these are serious things. Serious, serious, serious. So then what happened? He to shoot arrows, great stones with all, and his name spread far abroad, and he was marvelously helped till he was strong. I mean, that is it, no? And now you know that the story is going to change. The disappointment is going to be there. So Second Chronicles chapter 26, this is what it says about Uzziah. But when he was strong, his heart was Lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God. You know what happened now? His success legitimized his compromise again. Now he was thinking 
Just because he is successful, the laws of God don't, don't apply to him. See? You forgot that you were little. Why do we learn all these things now? So that God, when he prospers, will continue to stay little. You know what the name of Paul is? What Paul means? Little. Chota fellow. What, what was his other name? Saul. Saul forgot that he was little. Paul did not want to make that mistake. So Saul became little. And he stayed little for the rest of his life. And once some few revelations were coming into his life. And a slight pride was coming. Maybe it was coming. I don't know. And suddenly God said, you know what? You have to stay little. So what I'll do? I will send you a messenger of Satan to buffet you. In your body. Three times you will ask me, but I will not answer you. You know why? I will give you strength in what? Weakness. So that you will continue to stay what? Little. Otherwise, with the abundance of revelations that you got, no, so don't say, you know, uh, don't accept sickness in your body. Okay? Just because Saul had a sickness, don't accept sickness. If you have revelations like Saul, okay, go ahead. No? This is then God will definitely send you some buffets of Satan. It's not, that, that's, not, that's not what it means. Okay. People just quote things out of, out of context. Fight sickness, by the way. Fight. Okay. One of the things that I'm learning now, after some things happened into my body, fighting it every day now. Started with 92.5, now I've become 86.5. 6 kilos lost. Target is 82. You can see though, the fire belly is gone. Uh-huh. So fight it. Okay. Don't accept sickness into your body. Kick it out. So I went and asked the doctor, can hypertension be reversed? He said, yes. Lose weight. In other words, become little. See, doctors also have the same advice. Become little, become lean. If your gesturing is fat, what will happen? <laughs> you will have a heart attack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, be, be very careful. You see, this, this, what is what is applying what is applied in the physical should also be applied in the spiritual. They are all parables to teach us. Don't become stout in your spirit. Okay, that's what it says in Ezekiel. I will do all things. All the people who are broken, I will bind them. Who are wounded, I will heal. But the fat, I will destroy. Okay, so so God has got. The same principles everywhere, okay? So transgressed against his Lord and he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar. So what happened? So Azariah, the priest went in after him. So what did he lose here? What did he lose? As long as Zechariah's instruction was being followed, he was prosperous. What did he lose now? What did he lose? What did he lose now? The fear of God. He's lost. He lost the fear of God. The moment he lost the fear of God, now he is like very, very flippant with authority. You know, how do I know that you have the fear of God? How you deal with authority. How you deal. How you talk. How you address. Albeit weak authority, authority who may be fallible, but did not Saul's, I mean, David be under Saul? Did he fight him? No. Did Samuel not be under Eli? Did he fight him? No. Was the hand of God not upon his life? Absolutely yes. You know why? Because they 
learn to submit to authority. You know, there's a verse in Joshua chapter 5, if I'm right. He says, from this day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of his sight of the people of Israel. So I wrote that, I was reading it, and I said, Amen, 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 this is for Vijay. And the Lord told me, you know, Vijay, when he, de- when he was, when did God begin to exalt him? For 40 years in the wilderness, he stayed under Moses. That is when God exalted him. Will you stay for 40 years? Like the, like the way we heard last year, last, last Sunday, to stay under authority for 40 years? Can we? 18 years? Until God, God exalts, it says, you know, humble yourself under the hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. When is the due time? God knows. Exaltation doesn't come from the east, not from the west. It comes from above. So stay under. Okay, so what happened? He became flippant. He lost the fear of God. He lost the awe of God. He became very flippant. And then somebody obstructs him. So Azariah the priest went in after, went in after him and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary for your trespass. You shall have no honor before your God. That means your honor is going to fade now. Why? You forgot you were little. So what happens to him? Uzziah became furious. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. Now you forgot. You see, you see, you forget all the lessons in the old covenant. That is the reason why memorize, meditate on the word, look at all the patterns, let those patterns become a part of, part of you because God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He has never changed. He was a consuming fire then when he consumed Nedab, Nedab and Abihu when he, they brought strange, strange incense before the Lord. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, worship the God, serve the Lord with reverence and fear. Otherwise, he's a what, what fire? Consuming fire. The same God. He has not changed. And you look at Revelation when John is looking at this awesome revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what happens? He falls on his face like a dead man. Why? He sees God as a judge. He has not changed. So what happens? He was angry. And, the, and Azariah, so, and Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him and there on his forehead he was leprous and they thrust him out of the palace, out of, out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. You know, the Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 1, from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, you know what you have? Wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. It is a depiction of Uzziah. That's how the Lord sees. Why? You forgot? Second Chronicles chapter 35, another example. You know, these are all godly people. These are all not, 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 I'm, what I'm saying, I'm showing you, I'm showing you examples of people who started well. And when they became strong, they made some stupid mistakes. Because they forgot. I'll show you another example. I mean, this is, this is one of the possibly, I mean, you have the most hope on this fellow. Right from the child he was, Time he was 8 years old, he had a heart for God. 8 years old, he had a heart for God. 12 years old, he goes into the, goes into Israel and he destroys all the altars. And by the time he's 18 years old, he receives the word from God. The, he finds the, uh, finds the book of the law in the, in the, in the temple. He tears his clothes, repents, brings reforms. He goes all the way to Israel, finishes off the altar of Jeroboam, comes back. Incredible revival. And what's his name? Josiah. Eight years old. Fantastic start. Look at how he ends. And after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, 
Nico, the king of Egypt, came to fight against Karshemish by the Euphrates. And Josiah went out against him, but he sent messages to him saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day, but against the house with which I have war. After all this, when jo- Josiah had prepared the temple, so, uh, so, next verse, refrain from meddling, sorry, refrain from meddling with God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself so that he might fight with him and did not hear the words of Nico from the mouth of God. So he came to the fight, came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And you know the story. How, how old was he? 39 years, 39 years old. 39 years old. Not even 40. What made you do this? I have uh, very good relationships with reptiles and also dogs. So yesterday, pastor was saying, Mr. Thomas. And I went out and I said, who is this Thomas? It was Tommy. I said, pastor, it is Thomas. I thought he was Judas. <laughs> because I don't like dogs. No? Dogs and I are very good friends. We have a very nice relationship. You don't touch me, I don't touch you. So I really avoid dogs. Honestly, I do avoid. Because I don't want to get into any nasty fights. And Even in the corridor that I walk, the reason why we went into the apartment is that we don't have dogs. And then one dog was tolerated into the house. Because of one family. And I'm every day after his life to get him out. So this dog is there. No Dogs are dangerous. Stray dogs. Okay. I mean, some people might have contrary opinions, but everybody is entitled to his own opinion. Because uh, the people say the dogs are faithful. And I say faithful to whom? Uh, maybe faithful to man, but not their own clan. Have you seen faithful dogs? To their own faithful? Faithful to their own wives? No, they are not. They are not. Very friendly to their own fellow dogs? No, they are not. They have their territories and if one fellow comes, they start barking at him. Okay, so dogs are dangerous, okay? But that is just my opinion, okay? Proverbs chapter 26 verse 17 because I get my my inspiration from the from the inspired word. This is what it says. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like the one who taketh the dog by the ears. What is the probability that is going to happen? Amplified Bible will amplify it. Just in case you forgot. The KJV has lost its sharpness. The Amplified Bible will bring it out. Okay, Like the one who grabs by the dog, grabs a dog by the ears and is likely to be bitten. Josiah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you meddling? You know, there's some, yesterday, like I was hearing uh, Pastor Eric the other day. He was teaching his congregation, he was in his revival meeting and I I heard him say, you know what, one of the things that teachers teach after you come to class 3 and class 4, class 1, class 2, they're okay. Teacher, this boy, teacher, that boy, teacher, this boy, they will say, okay, no problem, then he will come and intervene. When you come to class 3 and class 4 and slightly higher primary and high school, teacher, this boy, teacher, that boy, you know what they will say? M-Y-O-B. What is that? Mind your own business. Mind your own business now. What is going to happen now? Your life is going to be cut short. What potential you had? 
I mean, there's not going to be even a warning for you now. I mean, sometimes I feel, Lord, Manasseh, you dealt with him so kindly. Why not Josiah, Lord? Why not Josiah? See, what happened to this guy? What happened to Ahab will also happen to you. You disguise and go to war. When you try, you're going to, you, you, you think you're going to fool, fool God. No, you're not going to fool God. The archers are going to find you. You leave the covering that God has placed over your life. There are dogs which will be unleashed from Unleashed upon you. So what happens to this man? And the archer shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, take me away for I am severely wounded. His servants therefore took him out. And he died. And you know what happens? Jeremiah weeps for this man. Life is cut short. What he was supposed to finish, he couldn't complete it. Because you know, when he was strong, he forgot that he was little. So this morning, how do we stay little? The question is that, yes, I'm giving you the problem. What is the solution to staying little? So the thing is this, no? In the Bible, there are secrets. This, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the glory of all of us to search it out. I will show you a parable which is, which is embedded in scripture and which gives you the secret as to how to stay little. I'm sure most of you don't know this parable. How many of you know the parable of the little? Parable of the little city. Anybody knows the parable of the little city? Oh, there you go. So let me introduce you this morning to the parable of the little city. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. The parable of the little city. I mean, Solomon, no, this guy was a backslidden inspired person. A backslidden man inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he cannot understand the revelations that he's getting. Okay, you understand? He's not able to understand the revelations that he's getting. So look at what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This wisdom I have also seen under the sun and it seemed so great to me. There was a what? A little city. And with how many people? Few people. And who came it? And a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. So, now question is, who is this little city? You need to ask this question. Who is this little city? Let us see how how Solomon interprets his little his city. What he calls the city. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 28. This is what he says. Read that everybody. He that has no rule over his own, He's like a, ah, so he's a person with a spirit. So who's that city? It is a person. You're a little city. You're all little people. And there was a great king who came against and who's that, who's that great king? Satan. He besieged it. Okay. He's tormenting you. And there are few men inside. What are those men? Your gates. Your ears, your, the instruments of your warfare, your hands, your eyes, your ears. You know, the Bible says, no? Offer your body the temple of the Holy Spirit and offer the instruments of your body as instruments of what? Righteousness to God. So, few people, small city, great king who came to oppress. Look at what happens now. Look at God's solution to bring deliverance for this small city. 
It's beautiful. Look at how, how beautiful the Bible is. The wisdom also have seen another son. There was a little city with a few men in it and great king came against it, besieged it and built great king's snares around it. And verse number 18. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. And by his wisdom, what did he do? He delivered the city. <laughs> Look at this. Beautiful. <laughs> it's a little city. We are all little people. We had no strength. That's the, that's the reason the Bible says, when you were without strength, when you were ungodly, when you were sinners, when you were enemies of Christ, what did Jesus do? He, with his what? With his wisdom. What was his wisdom? It was the cross. What was he? He was a poor man. The Bible says he was made a little lower than the angels. He was clothed with glory and majesty, but he was made a little lower than the angels. And he came as a poor man. He dwelt among us. He made himself poor so that he can make us rich. He became sin for us so that we may be clothed with his righteousness. He became a curse for us so that we might enjoy the blessing. So, with his wisdom, what did he do? He delivered us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. For us, that's his wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, this is what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing that the understanding of the prudence. Therefore, what is the cross? It is the wisdom of God. So what did God do? He sent his son who hung on the cross for us. And he became poor. He became naked on the cross and delivered this little city. Let's move on. Now there was found in it a poor man. And by his wisdom, he delivered the city. Yet what? No one remembered the same poor man. You see, this is the this is the problem with all of us, no? <laughs> you see, what happens? You 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 see the the entire uh, record of the gospels, no? Jesus is delivering thousands and thousands of people. He healed thousands of people. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was anointed. He was delivering people left, right, and center. He was healing the sick. He was delivering demons. Demon demonic oppressed people were getting healed. Everybody was getting blessed. But how many of them followed him? 120 people. If you have to take post-resurrection post to. 120 people. Of all the thousands and the thousands and the thousands of people who actually were, were, were touched by God, who experienced the blessing of God, everybody forgot. And only a few remembered him. You see, therefore, therefore Solomon says, how do you stay little? This is what he gives a solution to the problem. This is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. See, everybody likes the blessings of God, the healings of God, the deliverances of God. Oh, master, my, my daughter is vexed with a, de- with a demon. Can you please heal her? I, would, I will not answer you. Please, please. No, it's not good for, to give it to the dogs. Please, even the dogs eat bread from the master's table. Great is your faith. She, the God, daughter, got, got delivered. And where are you with your daughter and your, and your, and your, uh, 
and yourself, are you there in the, in the temple of God? Are you following Jesus? Very few. If very few women follow Jesus wherever they, wherever Jesus went. And they support Jesus with their substance. And one of them is Mary Magdalene. All the way. Who was delivered of seven demons. Very few people. This is what happens. in That's, a, that's the reason why John's Gospel chapter 6 will say. This is what it says in John's Gospel chapter 6. Therefore many of his disciples. When they heard this they said. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it when Jesus knew in himself. That his disciples complained about this. He said. Does this offend you? Why do you not like my words? Because it offends you. You see? And when, and then if you could see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, what are they? They are Spirit and life. But you do not want to hear my words. Yet it was the word who sa- which saved you. I sent forth your word, my word and healed you. I said, be made whole in Jesus' name. I told Lazarus, come out. It was my word which saved. Just speak the word, my, 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 my servant will be healed. Just speak the word. But the very word which healed you is also the word which will strengthen you, which will rebuke you, which will keep you on the straight and narrow path, but you don't like it. Because it offends you. You see, how many people, they get offended and they just leave. They leave churches because they are offended. They come and complain about so many things. You are offended. Offense. John's Gospel chapter 6. What happens then? From that time onwards, many of his disciples went back and walked with them no more. And then Jesus said to that well, do you also want to go? Thank God for Peter. You know what Peter says? Where can we go, God? You alone have the words of life. So first thing he says, you know what? Begin to love the word of God. Enjoy the word. Come for the word. Study the word. Stay in the word. Change the way you think. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. It says, Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of the ruler of fools. <laughs> Who is the ruler of fools? <laughs> Satan is the ruler of fools. Because a fool says there is no God. And what should you do? Listen to God. Hear. And what do they do? What are the, what are the words of wise do? Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is what it says. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. So he used examples, he used metaphors, expressed those truths clearly, taught you the word. And then goes on to say, the words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful, but helpful. They might be painful, but they are what? Helpful. Their collected sayings are like the nail studded stick, which is a shepherd who drives the sheep. These are the words. These are like prods. And then it goes on to say, but my child, Let me give you some more further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless. And much study, where's your? That's what one study you do. Study the word. It's called Bible study. Therefore, in our church, we have Bible study almost every day. Yesterday, the pastor was talking about vision 2030 of the world. God also has this vision 2030. You know what God's vision 2030 is? 
Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 30. This is his vision. Blows that hurt, cleanse away evil. Through the word. And stripes, cleanse the inward parts. There, deep down inside, the inner man gets strengthened. That gets healed. That gets delivered. Other translation. Another, another one, another advice that he says, he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. One sinner. In other words, one small thing that you allow into your life. All the things that you did, Jehoshaphat. But one small thing you allowed. All the things that you did, Josiah. But one small thing that you allowed. All the things that you did, Josiah. But one small thing that you allowed. It's going to hamstring you. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys what? Much good. That is the reason why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. They are mighty in God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. You know why? Because the key to enjoying blessing and the key to enjoying health, there's only one thing. Obey and keep his commands. What will happen? Automatically, healing will come, blessing will come. Don't forget the words of the wise. One of the things that you need to realize, never forget in your life, where God brought you out from. Never go after success which you are not prepared for. You see, David's life is very, very, it's like, it's a very interesting way he, he, God exalts him. First, he gives him victory with, in a secret life, with lion and a bear. Once he defeats the lion and the bear, then he exposes him to Goliath. And then everybody comes to know about David. The moment everybody comes to know about David, now he slowly puts him in the palace. And then slowly, now, now he has been exposed and now Saul is jealous about David. And slowly God sends him into the wilderness. He is building character and character and slowly, 13 years in the wilderness and then he exalts him. 7 years in Jerusalem, sorry, in Hebron and then God exalts him. And every time there is an exalt, before every exaltation there is a test. There is a constant progress in his life. And whenever he, whenever the success comes to him, he is ready to accept and the weight of the success does not bog him, uh, bog him down. You know why? Because he has been prepared. That is the reason the process is very, is very important. That is the reason why coming under authority is very important. Staying under authority is important. Wherever you are, you criticize, you criticize authority just to your own detriment. You lose the anointing of God. You criticize, you dishonor. It's not, it will not go well with you. I'm telling you children, I'm, I've learned these lessons the hard way in my life. When I was in one of the labs in, in Canada, my professor and I had a tiff. So what did I do? I said, okay, fine. I'm going to teach him a lesson. So went to the, so one, 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 one guy came to me and he said, Vijay, you know what, my, I don't like this prof. I said, you know what, you, do you want to leave the lab? He said, yes, I want to leave the lab. So, but you know, my English is not very good. Can you type an email for me? That I want to leave the lab. So I took his email, typed an email to the professor saying that this student is leaving the lab. And I started a mutiny. 
I became a communist. You know what happened after that? Two, three months later, the hand of the Lord came strong upon me. You see, you take chances with authority. You will miss out. It doesn't matter. That is the reason why he says, you know what? Servants, be obedient to your masters, not only to the nice people, but also to the people who are harsh to you. If for, because of conscience towards God, if you bear all these things, it is good for you. Because Christ also went the same path. Don't fight it. Don't fight authority. Don't fight if leadership, if you think that they are not very perfect, come under him. Just like Jesus. No, think about it. No. Why are you searching for me? I mean, those words are powerful. And then he says, he went down with them to what? Nazareth. And he was what? Subject to them. And he increased in favor and in wisdom. In stature. Favor with God and favor with man. You know why? Because he came under the authority of people who were imperfect. You're, test, you're tested under imperfect authority. Now think about it. If the authority is not good and you obey and you are asked to obey, how much more obedient you should be if the authority is what? Good. Think about that. You see, never, ever, ever go against authority. Think about these are very, very important lessons. Otherwise, you are like Satan. Going up and down, slandering God. If you were with me, I would have promoted you to be the next archangel. And he took one third of the angels alongside him, with him. And they are forever destroyed. There is no way that they are going to come back now. You know why? It started with that. Rebellion. Because he forgot that he was little. Never forget that where, where God brought us from. Little is very good. It's a good position to be in. So how do we do that? Practical examples. Proverbs chapter 30. Gives us examples. There are four things which are, what is that? Little on the earth. But they are what? Exceedingly wise. The first fellow who is very wise is a ant. Ant knows only one thing. Put its head down and work. That's it. Only one thing. You ha- have you ever seen an ant sleeping? Never know. You, you, that, that is the reason why Solomon says, you sluggard. Look at the ant. He just puts his head down and works. You know, one of the lessons that we were taught when we were you know, in, in ministry and in mentorship, Pastor keeps on, saying, keeps on saying, doesn't matter what people say, put your head down and work. Go back to the drawing board. Leave criticism, leave slander, leave gossip, leave whatever people say, just brush it off. Whether it applies or it does not apply, let it fly. And you, whether it is prashamsa or criticism, doesn't matter. Put your head down and work. That's the reason why the ant says, it has no overseer, no ruler, no king. What does it do? It works hard. It's a little thing. And it stays little because it puts its head down and work. And all the people are with the same advice. What is it? Put your head down and work. Put your head down and work. You got 100 marks in your exam. 
Next thing, what will you do? What will you do next? Go back. Put your head down and work. This is not the final exam. Don't take the lie of your parents. When I, when I was my when I was growing up, my parents said, "No, Vijay, tenth class, you are a free bird." I said, "Wow." I finished 10th class board exam. They said, okay, no, no, no. 10th class board exam, no free bird. After that, intermediate is going to come. Intermediate will get 90% and you are a free bird. No, intermediate, now you have to get an admission into IIT. Then you are a free bird. Then after IIT, B.Tech is over, M.Tech is over. Ah, you have to get a PhD, then you are a free bird. That is never going to be a free. There is never free. So what is one thing they taught us? Every time you finish a degree, put your head down and work. That's what, that, that's what, you know, Sachin Tendulkar, when he scores 100, will he rest and say, I have finished? No. Next time, they'll ask you. Next match, what is that? What are you anticipating now? Another 100. Okay. Put your head down and work. People don't like it. Put your head down and work. Do what you are called to do. Children work hard. Bond servants, be obedient to your masters. Wherever you are, that's the reason why Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hands finds you finds to do, do it with all your with, with all your heart. Put your head down and work. They are not exceedingly strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. You know what? There is coming a famine. There's going to be a famine of the word of God in the last days. You know what you should do? Like an ant, put your head down in the word. Plow through the scriptures. Read through the scriptures. Study the scriptures. Get your word. Get the word that God has for you, for, for your season. Otherwise, you will, what you will have is second-hand word. It's like this, you no know, one man of God gave a very interesting example. He said, no, he had a friend who was a bank manager, who was a teller in the bank. So one day he went to his office to meet him. And what he, what he was doing, he was counting bundles of 2,000 rupee notes. So he was staying 2,000 rupee notes, one bundle he was throwing it out, 100 throwing it out, throwing it out, throwing it out. And he was looking at the way he was handling money. And he said, brother, don't you get scared when you handle this money? Does it not tempt you even one, one bit? And he said, you know what? Why are you, why are you not, why, does it not uh, affect you? He says, no, 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 no. You know why? I know very well this is not my money. Okay. But brother, how do you deal with your salary? Even if it is 50,000 rupees? Those days there were no ATM machines. So you used to stand in your, stand in the line, take the coupon. When you get the money, even if it is not lakhs and lakhs of rupees, what you used to do? Put it in a cover, put it in your secret pocket. Because it is now your money. Same thing with the word of God. You come to meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, it's like bundles being thrown at you. But then you study the scriptures. You get your own revelation. You know what you'll do? Oh, this is mine. This is mine. God is good. This is going to keep me in good stead. One day I'm going to use this. That is how you study the scriptures. This is mine. That is not yours. Bundles and bundles of money in the bank. That is not yours. So, and work. Wait, whatever you do. If you're called to be a student, do it with all of your heart. If you are called to be an employee, do it with all of your heart. Even if you are doing little things, do it with all of your heart. Give your 100% there. Don't miss out on opportunities that God gives you. That is the reason that the Bible says, don't despise the day of what? What beginnings? Little beginnings, small beginnings. Don't forget that. 
Next he says, the second kind of animal he talks about is a rock badger who is a feeble flock. What does he do? He hides himself. What does it mean? Who is this fellow? Rock badger is an unclean fellow. He is an unclean animal. So what does he do? He hides himself in the rock. What does he do? He hides himself in the church. He hides himself under the teaching. He doesn't go out. He tells me, Lord, the word of God is constantly cleansing me. Let me be there where it constantly cleanses me because I know that I am unclean. Yesterday, like what, 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 what we were talking about, Apostle Paul. He says, Lord, I am the least of the apostles. I am the least of the, of the saints. I am the chief of the sinners. And therefore, I do not want to leave your presence. I want to be in a place where I am protected. I am preserved. I am constantly fed the word. I am strengthened in the word. And I know that I have a clear conscience with God because I'm, be- I'm dealing with issues even as the word is coming into my life. And I'm dealing with every uncleanness. I'm dealing with every sin. And I'm hiding myself in the rock. That's a rock badger who stays little. It stays where? It stays in homes. And the church is a home. Stay there. And then, verse 27, the locusts have no king, yet they all advance in what? Ranks. In the church, all of us have a part to play. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a position. Some are called to preach, some are called to teach, some are called to lead worship, some are called to put the sound system, some are called to do so many things in the, in the body of Christ. There could be little things. Small, small, little, little things. Do it. Follow in ranks. Don't, I mean, see, every time we gather as a church, we have, let's say, for example, pastor's conference. That's one outreach ministry of the church. And yet, do we find all the church involved in it? No. Hardly. That is one outreach ministry of the church. You see, locusts have no king. Yet they all advance in ranks. They know what the purpose is. They know for this purpose I am in the kingdom of God. For such a time as this, God placed me here. I am supposed to do this job and I will do it to the best of my ability. And if you are not in order, because ranks have, have an order, if you are not in order, you will be disciplined. Like in every army, you will be disciplined. I mean, I remember when we were in NCC. NCC, National Integration Camp, that is not even army. When we did not wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, by the time it was 5, 5, the, the army uh, officer came with, a, with an iron, iron rod and he chased us out of the beds and he made us run around the campus for 10 or 15 times. I don't remember. See, discipline, basically. But we don't do that in the church. <laughs> you see? Discipline, rank, fine. Locusts have no king, yet they advance in ranks, meaning there is a structure in the kingdom of God. Find that structure, find that order, be in order, don't be out of order anytime. Follow that pattern, you will be safe. And I'm telling you from personal experience. You be in God's order, you are safe from so many attacks of the enemy. And God will warn you, he will preserve you. You will not be destroyed. You go out of order. You usurp God's order. It's to your own destruction. I mean, look at Absalom. I mean, think about that. Right there. I mean, goes against his father. His own dad. It's the audacity of that guy. He wants to kill him. 
And what happened in the Bible is replete with all these examples. They're all written for our learning, for our instruction, to stay in order, to stay in God's order. So what do the locusts do? They have no king, yet they advanced in ranks. So stay little. They are little things, but they are exceedingly wise. These are wise things. They might, they, they, it might not look very wise in the eyes of the world, but when God sees it, He says, you know what? This man is a wise man. You know why? Because he knows his place. He knows what he's supposed to do. Nobody has to tell him what he has to do. He understands his place. He understands his order. And he does it with all, his, all of his heart. Put your head down and work. Hide yourself in the church and come under the teaching which cleanses you. Verse 27, locusts have no king, follow the rank. And verse 28, the spider skillfully grasps with his hands and it is in king's palaces. You know what? Every opportunity that you get to share the word of God and to grasp people into the kingdom of God, grasp them. You know what the spider does? It puts a web. It's a net. You know, the, the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a net. So what do they do? They put it into the water all kinds of things came in. Leave it to the shepherds to separate them. But you do the catching. Catch. Go and preach the gospel. Be a witness wherever you are. Share the word with somebody in an office. Let it be. I mean, God, give you, ask God for, to give you opportunities. To share the word with people around. With your life, through your testimony. I mean, yesterday, Banu and I were, do- were talking, no? I asked Banu, Banu, uh, so, is your uh, brother-in-law saved? He said, no, pastor, he's not saved. And I said, uh, so he's still an unbeliever. He said, yes, unbeliever, pastor. And I asked him, Banu, uh, does he respect you? Respect Christians? He says, pastor, he has tremendous respect for Christians. And he looks at Abhinash and I and the way we behave at office. And he's shocked and he asks questions as to how you people can live like this. And he was giving an example as to what happened in his office the other day. He was saying, you know what, uh, Pastor, I was having lunch and that day the lunch was a little spicy and my stomach started burning. And I said, Lord, it would have been great if somebody can give me uh, get, get me some curd from outside. But I don't know, I can't send anybody. I'm busy with some work. Somebody should come give me some curd. And one brother walks into the office and he sits across across him in the in the, in the the dining room and he opens his tiffin box and he says, Banu, do you want curd? And he gives him curd. And this brother-in-law saw it and he says, What is this? You just prayed to God. How does God answer you like this? You know what Banu is doing? He is spinning a web. He is becoming Spider-Man. Trying to catch one, one small person into the kingdom of God. Little thing. And you know what pastor said? But you know what, what, what he said? I like the word, like what Banu said. He said, pastor, you know what? All these things happen so that we can give glory to God. And so that people, other people will know that God takes care of little, little things even in our lives. And that's our testimony. You see? What is it? You're in king's palace. Spin a web. Catch the insects and bring them to church. Some translations say, lizard, I disagree vehemently. <laughs> the spider skillfully, skillfully grasped with his hands. Have you seen the spider? Once the insect is gone, it goes there. How it skillfully grasps. 
Ants, do your work. Badgers, come under the cleansing word. Locusts, be in the rank. Spiders, spin a web and catch some souls into the kingdom of God. These are little things, bros. Four little things. Then, and you know what? They are little, but they are what? Exceedingly wise. Do you see ant? Busy, busy fellows, no? Your children sleep, but ants don't. Sometimes I ask Lord, when will I become an ant? He says, only in eternity. Yeah, eternity, there's no sleep. Only in eternity, you will become an ant. You will never sleep. You know, one of the things that we, we as engineers want constantly want to do is like, we don't want to sleep because even when you're sleeping, there's so many things that are going on in your mind. So, honestly, you know, in your, any, 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 any profession, whatever profession you're in, you're constantly thinking about it. My wife is witness. She looks at me and he says, Vijay, why can't you sleep peacefully? It's not possible. Simple. See, something is going on in your mind. All the time. And he said, Vijay, when you are in our lab, you were like this. When you are in the kingdom of God, is like that. So I said, can't do it. Those days I used to think about my project. Now I am thinking about another project. Constantly. You cannot take my earphones away from me. Yeah. It's always something is going on. People, when I'm going around in a, uh, uh, on, on a walk around my around my house, they look at me like a strange man because I'm like doing this and this. I'm listening to some message and I'm getting fired up. You know, this is because I want to do it with all of my heart. I want to be an ant. Hmm? So, so somehow I found the art of standing and sleeping also. But uh, it had detrimental effects. No, so I just let it go. No. <laughs> <laughs> so ants, you know what? They're not lazy people. They're little people. That's what I, I mean when I when I come to the class in the morning. You know, all my children they're like, oh, I said, what are you doing? You are either center stand or side stand. When they're in their office, side stand. When they're sit- sitting in front of the devotion, like this, center stand. Ants. That's the reason ants, you sluggard. Okay, learn. You know what? If you're a humble person, you know what you will do? You will sit there and say, Ant, teach me. You will sit. Doesn't matter who it was. You will just sit and teach. You should listen to Eric's revival meetings. It was so powerful. I enjoyed some of it. I didn't listen to all of them, but parts of it was really, really powerful. So, four little things. And exceedingly wise. Those who turn other peoples to righteousness, you know what? They will be, they will shine like what? Stars in the heaven and they'll be called what? Wise. It's wisdom to turn people into righteousness. It might be like a little thing. You give a small transcript. One transcript, you know, think about this, no? Sisters have started sending the transcript to prisons. It was in 2008. Pastor preached the message, sin, iniquity and transgression. And she made CDs and transcripts and sent it all around the world. How does it look? Little. And before we knew it, our website was being spammed literally. 
data was getting consumed left, right and center. You know why? There was a web which was being spent, which was being, which was being made, which was being made. And lots and lots and lots of people all around the world through what we call as WWW, worldwide what? Web. People are getting into the kingdom of God. So that is the key. You may be an ant with a little talent. Be faithful. Can you pray for some time? That's just be faithful. Few minutes can you pray? Be faithful. If you can read the word for hours and hours, be faithful. Start with one hour and go on and on and on. Start and slowly God will increase your appetite and your hunger for the word of God. Slowly he will see those, those little, little acts of faithfulness. Let us look at another another important principle. Psalm 37 verse number 16. Uh, everybody say that. A little. Aha. This is a little that a righteous man has. Who is he? A righteous man. What does he have? Very little. What did the little boy have? Little boy had a little tiffin. And what did the little tiffin do? He spread a web for everybody. Because it was given to Jesus. Little that you have. What did the widow have? Little. Two mites. What is it? And you know what? Jesus said, she gave so much. They were so upset. So, so upset. So they were walking down the temple. They looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, do you know how the temple was built? From donations. From what? Donations. And you are talking about the two mites that would have put, widow put. What can it buy? Not even two grams of rice. Not even two grams of cement. Forget about rice. What will it give? You know what Jesus said? Do you see this temple? Not even a single stone will be left. And what she put will have a ripple effect in the kingdom of God. Little. They came to Jesus and they brought their little, little things and gave it to Jesus and he started a ministry. Little things, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't despise those little things and stay little. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. If you desire to become rich before your time, I'm not saying that God will not bless you. If you desire to become rich before your time, you know, this is a prayer that you should pray, like John the Baptist. Lord, I should receive nothing unless it has been given from you, from heaven. I should receive nothing. In fact, I should decrease, he has to increase. Little. You know, many of you, because you think that you are little, you are lazy like that lazy servant. You know what God calls him? You wicked and what servant? Slothful servant. In great wisdom is in little things, my dear brothers. Stay little and enjoy life. A little that a righteous man has. Look at what it says in Psalm 131. This is one of my one of my favorite Psalms. One Psalm 131. I try to live this and I say, Lord, just give me this grace. My heart is not proud. Oh Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But what did I do? I have stilled and quietened my soul like a what is that? Little chair. Little. 
little child, small things, God will bless it if you are faithful. That is the reason why he says, if you are faithful in how many, what, what things? Little things, you will be faithful. What does it mean? What does it mean? You are content with whatever little that you have. You are not comparing yourself to the one who is in the right and one who is on the left. You are actually happy and you say, good for you, my brother. Good for you, my, my sister. And you, what, you know what you will say? You will be like an ant. You will put your head down and you will work. You will enjoy other people's success and you will do your own work. That is what we call as complimenting. You see, little. So, you know what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 7? He says, you were little. That is when I brought you out. You were what? Littlest of all the people. I did not bring you out because you were the great and awesome people. No? So, what should we do? Let's look at that verse and let's finish. I did not set his, I did not set your love, uh, his love upon you or choose you because you are more in number than any people. For you are what? The littlest of all peoples. And if you stay little, you will enjoy. If you continue to stay little, you will enjoy my blessing. You will enjoy my protection. You will enjoy my provision in your life. That's what the widow did. She had a little and she gave it. Everywhere you see those little things. God is a God of little things. The little foxes which destroy. <laughs> little sins. God is a God of little. Littleness. Small, small things. Little. So this morning, let us be little and enjoy. Shall we all stand? We were that little city, dear brothers and sisters. But you know what God did? He sent His Son, who was despised. A great and awesome God. To save mankind, He became little. The Bible says, He made Himself of no reputation, even though He was equal to God. He did not consider equality with God a thing that has to be grasped. But He made Himself of no reputation. He humbled Himself, took upon Himself the form of a bond servant. And He was obedient even to the death on the cross. And the Bible says, God therefore greatly exalted him. Jesus has showed us a pattern. He came under absolute headship. He never initiated any action. The father took inputs from him and he initiated the action and Jesus followed the pattern and the, and the things that his father showed him to do. He came under absolute headship of his father. Bible says, as Christ had God as his head, man has Christ as his head, and the woman has man as his head. This is the order in God's creation. Let us be in that rank. No matter what the world world thinks, Man under Christ, 
women under man and children under the authority of their parents. And the Bible says if you do this, your life will be like the life of heaven on earth. Because it is God's order. And in this order which is insignificant in the sight of the world, there is great wisdom. This is the order of God. Let us never forget that. And if you come in order, there will be a time when the Holy Spirit will say, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the ministry that I have for them. You know why? They came under God's ordained authority. And there was a time they were touched. They were sent out into the mission field. And they changed the entire Gentile world because they came under God's order. They put their heads down and worked. They cleansed themselves under the teaching of the word. They came under God's order. And then they became like spiders all around the world. And they brought millions and millions and millions of souls. Even now through their teachings, they're touching the entire world. And it started with that little thing to come under God's order. Do not despise it. Do not despise God's order. Children do not despise God's order. Wives do not despise God's order. Men do not despise God's order. Don't initiate anything which God has not started in our life. Because God is not obligated to finish that which he has not started. But if he is the author of our faith, he is also the perfecter of our faith. And that only happens when we come under his order. Let us be little this morning. Let us ask God for the grace. And the only way we can be little, God says, I will not humble you. You have to humble yourself. And Ezra humbled himself through fasting and prayer. Young people, humble yourself. Come under, come under the authority of your elders. Be clothed with humility. Come under the authority of your elders. Otherwise, there is a lion called the devil. He's like a roaring lion. And if you go out of God's order, he is there to grasp you and finish you off. You may, not, you may not lose your salvation. But you will be cut short before your time. You will not finish what God has started in your life. Bible is replete with examples. Josiah messed up. Jehoshaphat messed up. Uzziah messed up. And so many others. They forgot God's order. They forgot that they were little. This morning, Lord, help us, Lord, as a church. You have placed order in our lives. Simple things, Lord, you taught us. Through animals, through ants and insects, through insignificant things. But in those insignificant things is great wisdom. Lord, we were cities, O Lord, without walls. We were completely under the assault of the demonic. But you sent a man... Man, Jesus Christ, who became poor. And in his wisdom, he died on the cross for our sins. And he delivered us. And I pray, Father, that none of us will forget the cross in our lives. We will hold on to the cross as we sang this morning. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. We do not want to be like Isaac who started with the cross in his life. On the altar. The end of his life, 
that little thing called food destroyed him. And his God became his belly. His belly became his God. And he became the enemy of cross. Enable us, Lord Jesus, never to forget that. Enable us never to forget where you picked us from. Lord, you were faithful. You protected us. You guarded us. You shielded us. In all these years, O Lord Jesus, you've been with us. Enable us, Lord, to find our place in the body of Christ. To be in the rank that you placed us under. Not to be meddling with things that don't concern us. Like Josiah. Not usurping positions which we are not called to. Like Uzziah. Not allowing compromise in our lives like Jehoshaphat. But Lord, we'll be careful with little things. We'll be convicted when you show us little errors. We'll put down our, put our head down and walk. We'll work hard. We'll do the best that we can to the best of our ability. Whatever our hands find to do, we will do it with all of our heart. To that end, I pray that you would bless us a lot as a church. We might be a little church a lot. But Lord, we do not want to despise littleness because Lord, you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, even more than we can ask or even think. Therefore, O Lord, the little that we have, enable us to place it in your hands so that you can break it and you can multiply it. For the glory of God, for the extension of your kingdom and for the detrimental of the, of the kingdom of darkness. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. God bless you.